This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Nation, welcome to episode 28 of Chicken Scarlet. My name is Ben Hobbs, and let me bring in my two co-hosts. First of all, a man who has watched NXT 2.0 since it started, so we know his breaking point for some reason hasn't arrived yet. It's Logan Coslin. Good evening, out or afternoon to you, Logan. Good evening slash afternoon to you as well, Ben. How are you doing today? I am good. I am good. Bit tired, but you know, we're... I've, I've been up since half four, so, you know, we're, we're nearly, like, 20 hours in, but we'll be okay. I got you. I, I was broken long before NXT 2.0 came, so that's probably why I actually do uh, watch it on a weekly basis, so. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I see, so it's like, it, it couldn't get, the depth couldn't get any lower, so I might exactly. as well carry on. I'm this, far, I'm this far in, I might as well keep going. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and second of all, a man who breaking point will be with a particular streaming service if it decides to take the 80s British classic movie Gregory's Girl off its playlist. It's Callum McDougall. Good evening to you, Callum. Good evening, Ben. And that is that, that thought that you've just put in my in my head is is that's a fate worse than death. Um, <laughs> if Gregory's Girl was to come off a certain streaming platform. Um, <laughs> Yeah, life wouldn't be worth living at that point. Um, I, I I get the feeling I know the answer to this question, but Logan, have you ever seen or heard of Gregory's Girl? <laughs> I can't say I have. <laughs> uh, Callum, in 10 seconds, would you like to explain the greatest movie ever made in Callum's opinion? Well, it's, it's very much the greatest film ever made. It is about um, a, a, a hapless teenage boy um, who falls in love with the girl who starts playing in his school football team. Um, he asks her out on, long story short, asks her out on a date, ends up not going on a date with her, and and chaos and hilarity ensues. It's also, it's also filmed, it's also filmed in the town where I grew up, which is obviously... Oh, okay. I, but it's like, I feel it's, I feel it's worth a, I feel it's worth a live watch at some point. Uh, you know, if, if if you know, I might have a I might have a film podcast series that that could fall into. So you never know. Well, if if we can, if we, if that ever was to come along, I would bite your hand off to do it. Okay. Um, I don't know if thingy. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be on uh, the American version of Amazon Prime, but VPNs <laughs> exist. Well, well, as Logan would tell you, Matt would tell you, if he was here, there is definitely a list of. <laughs> <laughs> that we are we are going to be making our way through that that seems to be that seems to get added to tenfold every episode we do. <laughs> pop pop, pop get along the bottom of it, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to moving on to the wrestling. This month it was my turn to pick a show, and I thought I would go a bit more modern than I we usually than we usually do here. Although somehow this show is still 13 years old, so you know it's modern very much in air quotes, guys. Um, 
this show, I this show was in a period of time where I wasn't watching that, you know, much or that, you know. So I have I had literally no memory of this show before I started. Logan is our resident historian. Um, had you watched this show since two thousand nine? Um, sorry, and I'll, I'll repeat. We, I'm sorry, I didn't even say we are watching. We are talking about Breaking Point, two thousand and nine. Sorry, I didn't even get that out. <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Um. I was telling y'all in the chat the other, or I told somebody in the chat or a chat the other day. Um, this is one I skipped buying for some reason during this time period because I think it and SummerSlam are only like three or four weeks apart, and this was one like I had gotten SummerSlam and like Lewis couldn't do it at his house for some reason, so I would have had to have bought the next one again. Said so they like weren't going to pay for it, and I was going to have to pay for it, and I was a poor high school student at that point so i didn't really <laughs> want to want to dole it out and the card didn't really excite me i guess so i skipped it then and i you know it's one of those i've probably thrown on as background noise as i kind of work work through all the pay-per-views when the network first came out but i don't really have a ton of memories of this one i i, I thought as much uh callum at this point we we start i think we'd started paying for our pay-per-views they were actual pay-per-views so definitely one i didn't watch live i don't know about you uh, no, same. This is the, this is like firmly in the time um, where I was not watching on a regular basis. I think Raw was three hours at this point by now, possibly, was, possibly not. I think I think it was I think it was just special, but it was getting more and more to the three hours. Thing. Yeah, it was so. It was, but um, yeah, so there was you're in the you're in the, the weekly Raw hosts, and it was yeah, at this that, point in time where I just didn't. I didn't have any interest in watching week to week. I didn't watch any of the pay per views until, um, sort of the the, the network came out. And I, I was keeping I was keeping a track and, and doing the old YouTube clips where possible. But no, it's not one I have. It's not one I watched live at the time. Although I am a sucker for gimmick pay per views, I was quite happy to see it, but never watched it. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah, we are firmly in. We are firmly in the guest host territory here, and uh, YouTube watching the YouTube clips. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's you know, thirteen years and counting. Well, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let us. It's our second pay per view that we have done from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, as well. There's something about this place. I think well, you know they don't get pay per views off very often, but when they do. They seem to be salad worthy for some reason. But we'll find out exactly about this one. So let us go to Montreal, Quebec, Canada for Breaking Point 2009. Our opening video package tells us that tonight is a brand new innovative concept. I have put in brackets, gentlemen, that this is the only time that this innovative concept is ever done. So, you know, you make it that what you will. The main event matches have all got to be won by submission. The host for tonight's show depends on the brand of which show they appeared on. So to begin with, it's Michael Cole and King, the King Jerry Lawler for Monday Night Raw. Our first match of the night is a is for the tag team championships, and it's between the team of Jericho, Show, that which is Chris Jericho and the Big Show, versus MVP and Mark Henry. Uh, I'll go to Callum first. Uh, Callum, um, who is the most overrated wrestler of all time, and why is it Mark Henry? Oh no, that's that. Whoa, well, I think we've got an early, an early contender for the shit take. Shots fired. Goodness me. Um, I don't think Mark Henry is overrated. I think he's, I think he's perfectly rated. 
to be honest. He had to, obviously it took him a while to get to, to to get to the point where he is. But no, I think for from what he, he then got to the point that um, what he could what he did well, he did really well, and sort of then he sort of learned his limitations. Um, but no, I think he's I think he's I, I I personally don't think he's overrated. He's one of the his music hitting was one of the the, the bright spots that the crowd were actually loud um, on on this mm. one. Uh, just just you know just doing the drink there you know you know just making a bit of help to me. As, it, as as for the match itself, it's a perfectly fine tag match. It's not, but it's not particularly exciting. It's not exactly what you'd put as a show opener, I don't think. No, well, that's that's the thingy. That's um, that's the one of the notes that I've got. Um, is that the the crowd had a nice pop, um, at the start, um, when the guys came out and they had a nice pop at the thought of of Henry and and, and Big Show facing off, but then after all that, you had the nice visuals that Mark Henry caught the Big Show as he was running for the Avalanche and and lifting the show up for the world's strongest slam. But after that, my next note is, star power is good for this one, but not the hot opening you need for a pay-per-view. It was very plodding. Um, and then I had barely any I had barely any notes after that. So it sort of got to the point where it was I, I mean it was a it was a it was a good match for this show, but I think it was I think it was poorly placed being the opener. Yeah. Uh what you rate it? Um I've gone one point seven five on it because I think it was I mean it was it was a perfectly decent match. Um it was inoffensive, but I think it was too it was a bit too plodding to be a an opener and it was a bit too long. Um, but per- perfectly serviceable. That, that's that's fair enough. Um, so having having said that about Mark Henry Logan, um, MVP MVP at this point is absolutely firing on all cylinders. There's there's a guy that should have had a you know a bigger push to the main event level at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely uh, one thing I had in my notes. I think I think he's a much better uh, than they ever presented him past the point when he was, you know, the heel United States champion. I think he should have been a bigger star for them. But I don't know if his passion kind of waned or if he got hurt and they just didn't try. He had a heart condition when he first yeah. started, so I think that kind of held him back because of that. But I definitely think he's one of those guys that could have been a much bigger star for him. But maybe injuries and stuff like that just kind of held him back. But I mean, yeah, like, like you were talking about, Henry's fine. I think it took him a while to kind of get to the point where he understood like what he could do best, and that's what he needed to do in his matches. But I think he finally got to that point and was pretty good. But I don't think uh, Will from Texas is a big listener of chicken salad, so I don't think you're going to piss anybody off too much with uh, <laughs> that, that hot take. <laughs> um, but to, just to start the match, the Jericho combo music is absolutely horrendous. It's probably one of the worst mashups they ever did. Um, talking about MVP, uh, him being a face is always strange to me, but I think him and Henry had a potential as a team. Uh, I think they teamed for a good bit, uh, during this period, but, uh, they don't last quite as long as I think they probably could have. Um, I like the fact that MVP kind of took care of Jericho in the opening portion. Uh, I, I think it was funny that Jericho kind of immediately went to the corner and tagged Big Show in when Henry got tagged in. Um, they did a heat segment on Henry, and I made the comment that I don't know that he's probably the person they should have gotten their heat on. But then they did a heat segment on MVP as well. So, uh, I mean, I, it, but that was a problem with this match. It was just a little too long. 
Um, I, I just think I don't think this match needed two heat segments, and I, I think it could have been a little bit shorter. I think they could have worked over MVP in the middle, and uh, it would have been perfectly fine. Uh, but like like I just said, it's a perfectly fine match, nothing great, but I just went two stars on it. Yeah, I I went I went two as well. It's it, it's fine. It's it you know it's fine. It'll do it'll do for ten minutes. But would you want it opening your show? Probably not. I will say, like Callum said, though that that spot when Henry lifts up the big show in the corner is absolutely fantastic. I mean, having said what I said about Henry before, that is brilliant. So, <laughs> they could have, they could have quite easily just done a big man. If they do something like a two three minute segment, but they never they don't really do that. They they do that one spot. They do the 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 eyeballs bit, but they you know where they meet each other in the ring. But there's no like real other connection between the two of them in the match apart from that. It's always one of the other guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say the Big Show would have uh, would have wrapped up um, Fashion Statement Award with his awful purple singlet thing that he had on <laughs> during this time period. But uh, there's another. There's another thing that happens later that uh, takes that away from from him. There's, <laughs> there's another deserving contender coming. I think we all know who that is, but we'll get to him. We'll get to him later. <laughs> After the match, we head backstage where Josh Matthews is with Legacy. Cody Rose says tonight will be a fight, not a match. DX may be great, but they re- represent the past, whereas Legacy are the future. This was generic promo 101. I would say 101, but probably 103, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, speaking of generic, we then get to our second match of the night, which is for the US title, which is between, and bear in mind, this is 2009, gentlemen, between The Miz and Kofi Kingston. Now, Logan... Our good friend Sean, we know his feelings on Kofi Kingston, but even me, as probably one of the biggest Kofi lovers out there, do I really want to see the Miz and Kofi Kingston in their twenty-minute match in two thousand nine? Probably not. Yeah, uh, this one, this one was really hurt by hindsight because I'm sure in at the time it probably wasn't a bad match, and it's not a bad match at all. It's another like like I said in the first match. It's another perfectly fine one. It, it they didn't botch anything too bad. But this one gets hurt by hindsight a lot because th- this is one of those matches that they have done a million times, and it was always for the U.S. title or the IC title or you know just always floating around in the mid card. These two guys lived there for the longest time, and still in some respects kind of do today. But at least they're kind of involved in tag teams a good bit uh, more modern uh, than this. Um, but the Miz acting all fancy, speaking French before before the match. I thought was interesting. You know, his uh, Maurice connection got him there. But uh, the main note that I put on this is this is literally every Kofi Miz match of this era. Nothing, <laughs> nothing inspiring about it. It's perfectly fine. Uh, and hi- I just think hindsight just hurts this one so bad because they ran it a million times. But I went to uh, just because nothing was overly botched or anything like that. And can, can I put a quick personal request in for you to do your fa- my favorite bit of Shelton's theme music at this point? And I think you know exactly what I'm talking about, or I hope you do. <laughs> oh, yeah. SOS, he beat up Shelton. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, Callum, um, yeah, so Miz gave us a little bit of Paul Vue Francais, which I appreciated. Um, but, yeah, like, like Logan says, like, this match, this match, I, I'm convinced this match is still going if I went to Montreal to, tonight. Yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was, 
you could tell that these guys, so like three WWE championships between them, and now, as you say, benefit of hindsight, you would never have thought that either of these guys would have been championship material. Some would claim that Kofi was never championship material, but that's another argument for another day. Um, <laughs> right, that's not me, by the way, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, I mean, you could tell that the, the Miz... As soon as I heard the, the Mizzy's music, and I don't know if this I can't be a double over because he's been using the same music now for about ten years. But it, because when it wasn't awesome, I was expecting him to come out in those like the jocks and the stupid trilby, uh, looking like a complete <laughs> utter goober. <laughs> um, looking like uh, to 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 use um, one of my co-hosts' uh, phrases, it looked like an absolute jamoke. But <laughs> we're sort of caught in that. We're sort of caught in that in-between time where the Miz is just about to click and put it all in place when he goes and let the money in the bank run, but he's not quite there yet. He's like he's just starting the transformation and it's just not clicking for him. Um, yeah, what I'm like, what I'm says something pretty similar. I'm like, yeah, like Michael Cole is absolutely burying him, and you consider where their like relationship goes in a year's time. Yeah, I agree exactly. Um, but they, like Cole and King were trying really hard to put over how much how how good this match was on and how the the two guys were going at it and it just wasn't it wasn't happening. Um, yeah, I, I've just got a very bland match. Crowd doesn't like it, but in in, in the crowd's defence, and I'll ve- I'll be very critical about the crowd throughout this show. Um, they weren't giving anything. They, they weren't giving the crowd anything to 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 do. Or to to um mm. to to cheer. Um, I've also made a wee note about the Miz speaking French. Um, now, for anyone who has watched Total Divas like I have, you'll know that the Miz can't speak a lick of French. Um, <laughs> he, he, he can't. He doesn't even try. Um, Maurice's family will come over and they'll all be speaking French to each other, and he'll just be sitting going, "I've no idea what they're saying." So he's obviously practiced and practiced and practiced that. Um, which I was very, very impressed with, but he can't. He, his French is other than that. It's pretty shocking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've just got mercifully it's over. Um, uh, so I, I went on this one one point seven five again for very much the same reasons as the first match. I, I went, I went a little higher. I went, I only a little higher though, two point two five. And you know, I've got like you guys, match, match was perfectly fine. But as I keep saying, I know I keep like something like broken record, but these two. Like, I'd even say 15, 20 minutes now would be egregious, never mind in 2009. It's just, it's a running theme on this show. It's just the, and, and the finish is awful as well. It's just like, there's no build to it. It's just a couple of reversals, trouble in paradise, and we're done. So like, well, you give me, you got to give me something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out, came, it came really, really quick. It, nothing built to that finish at all. It just, and it just, back- it just happened. It was almost as if they went, right. Time to go, and they just did it, and didn't even nothing else happened. And I forgot to say as well that, by the way, was your Callum McDougall Total Divas update of the month. Just looking through to see if I've got any other comments on it, but I don't think. Visit I've Misses is actually a pretty good show if you watch it. I mean, <laughs> if your if your if your mileage varies on Miz, uh, you, you could you might not like it, but I, I think he actually comes off as a pretty good dude in that show. So. Yeah. He's, Callum, he, he's Callum, all right on Total Divas as well. I was Callum and the good lady love their WWE reality TV. <laughs> and uh, Maurice comes off as Maurice comes off as a really, she comes off as a nice as a, as a nice woman as well. So I think that the the two of them come off really. Very few people actually come off badly on Total Divas. Even Eva Marie, 
you can you can find yourself getting getting um getting behind. Um apart from one person, and I'll let the two of you guess who the person that doesn't come out well is. <laughs> the cat lover Natalia. Oh, of course. <laughs> Do not let Mr. McNamara hear you say I that. Have, I'll, I'll happily tell him. If you watch that show and come away liking Natalia, you're a fucked up individual. <laughs> Thank although you. I, although I do hear I'm her sister. I'm being genuine in saying that. Although I do hear her sisters are lovely. Oh, yes. She's more than one. <laughs> I yeah, believe so. I only know Jenny because of um, her, her dalliance with Big E on Total Davis, which was one, which genuinely. Genuinely one of the best bits of WWE programming I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and by the way, can I just thank Callum for bringing the word dalliance into this podcast? Oh, you're welcome. That's the another up. Tim Capel $5 word there. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are racking up them scrabble words tonight, gentlemen. <laughs> Next thing I know, one of y'all will be using clandestine and I'll just want to punch you oh. in the face. <laughs> give, me, give me time, give me time. <laughs> It's not going to come in the, the in the review for our next match, which is a match between Degeneration X, consisting of Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and they are taking on the team of Legacy. Legacy, of course, are Ted DiBiase Jr. and Cody Rhodes. And I don't know if you know this, gentlemen, but Cody's part of a famous wrestling family. He not only has a famous dad, he has a famous brother. He was known as he was known as Dustin Rhodes, and he at one time was known as. Well, they call him the natural. Natural, natural as can be. They call him the natural. Natural. It comes naturally. He's the son of a son, and son of a gun. The Haas does a rodeo bull. He's the natural one. Yes, he is. And can we just applaud Callum's finger clicking there? <laughs> Properly in time, my friend. I love that. I just like being part of it. Well, you know, too fair. You, too fair. I think the, the backing vocals wouldn't really work with two of us. It just, you know, we just be like talking <laughs> over each other, basically. So. I, I, yeah, I don't think it. Plus, I think what I think we're both similar. I mean, we would need that. We would need a baritone and we would need a bass voice. I feel we're both baritones, Ben. It just wouldn't yeah. work. We wouldn't <laughs> get the right harmony. The fact that I am totally tone deaf is a is a slight disadvantage. <laughs> I, I believe you'll find you fucking boss that, Ben. I was just like, go to Callum first on this match, though. I got to wet my whistle. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> TMI Logan TMI <laughs> I, before we get to the match though we, I will just very quickly mention the pre-match uh, DX routine uh, as you may know at this time DX Ch- Triple H did the uh, are you ready routine um, Callum I know, I know Callum's not particularly uh, fond of this Montreal crowd but you've got to admit Callum that at the beginning was some that was some. I'm going to use the word "shit hot" timing by the Montreal crowd, <laughs> but as they as they chanted, "You screwed Brett," as uh, Triple H wanted everybody to uh, go quiet. <laughs> no, I I think this was this was the one. I, I mean, it would have been an all time bad crowd if a Montreal crowd didn't react to Shawn Michaels coming out. Um, so they, they they played their part in this, and I do actually have a note about how I, I like how they just didn't leave it as the elephant in the room. And they just yes. they just went with it because uh-huh. the best the best way to do it is acknowledge it, 
and make fun of it basically or make a joke out of it and just that's it. it's out in the open and we can we can move past it and it doesn't sort of linger on although they did try a couple of times through them you could hear faint you screwed brett chance a couple of times through but they didn't linger on it and i thought that was that was probably the best thing they could have done it's, this feels very weird to say this now i suppose this could be the first time i'm going to say something like this on a podcast but under under the previous management of the company in modern times not not obviously at that point in 2009 but they would very much have just stayed on script wouldn't they they'd have just ignored it mm-hmm. yeah if we were talking like 2017 2018 yeah well i remember right so i remember so i think it also helps that it is triple h i don't think anybody i don't think anybody on the roster just anybody on the roster would have got away with it i think it worked because of who it was sean and sean and triple h would probably get away with it but to your point ben i remember watching you could you could find it on youtube i went to see the one and only time raw was live in glasgow the crowd yes. the crowd derailed the show i'm not joking for about 10 minutes because they were doing the hey bailey chant like it mm. was, <laughs> and honestly it kept going and charlotte was charlotte was trying like she was on, she was on the mic because they were pulling together the Raw Women's Survivor Series team, and Charlotte kept trying to get out, kept trying to get out. She kept trying to interrupt and like try and move on, and she ad libbed a wee bit, but it didn't work. And honestly, we she stood in the ring for about six, eight, maybe even as much as ten minutes, gurning at the crowd, but not doing anything because she, like they were so scripted. It was actually uh, it was it was quite painful. It was it was good, obviously, because we had it in the UK. They could edit, they could chop up and edit all out, and it was about thirty seconds in real in, in TV time. But this went on and on and on. Uh, first, well, first thing, Callum, uh, you, you used the word Charlotte and gurning. With that much, with that much on that surgery on that face, mate, there ain't no gurning going on. Oh, this is back. <laughs> this is back in this is back in twenty sixteen. She, she looked a bit more oh. like herself at that point. She actually looked like a human being. She looked like a flare. Good, bad, or indifferent, that might be. She still had the mole. Yeah. <laughs> she did. She did. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, I, I mean, you know, I will say I managed 20 minutes of the Steve Austin podcast. I, that was 20 minutes more than I thought I was going to do. So, you know, well, I, I thought I did quite well there. Uh, let's go. Let's go back to the match, though. Um, so this was this was a submission count anywhere in the building match. Um, I'll stick with Callum. Um, I think for me this match feels like they they were in and and, and the autumn Cena match falls into this as well. They were into that because we're into that PG era now. They were like between a rock and a hard place. They wanted to go full on hardcore brawl, but they they couldn't you know and blood you know with all the blood and all the and everything that goes with it, but they couldn't do that because of obviously you know censorship reasons yeah and yeah so you've got that playing against you and you've also got the fact that a hardcore brawl that ends in a submission is sort of it's quite it's quite hard to do so it's quite like so falls count anyway you saw the the, the, even like the the tamer side of the the mental hardcore matches you'd get back at the the early part of like the the mid the, the early 2000s and even sort of laterally, where you had, um, like, whenever you do a, a last man standing, which in itself has got has got a, a, an inherent issue with it, but to you can't to set up a big hardcore brawl to then end with somebody tapping out. It must have been quite a difficult thing to 
to to plan out. I mean, I, to be fair, I think they did all right. I mean, I didn't I didn't think the match was bad, but but you're right, they were sort of limited in 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 some ways, and they did some have some pretty inventive stuff like the chair submission where Triple H put um, Cody through the chair. He's got him in a Boston Crab, and then Sean comes and and gives him the gives him the camel clutch was was quite was was good use of of weaponry. Um, this the, the short bits where they had in in, in the back um, were all, were also quite were also quite good. But yeah, they were sort of they were sort of um, hampered in a way. Um, by just the sort of the setup of the match. Yeah. Now I know I'm going on about time a lot, gentlemen. I don't know if I mentioned this in this in our chat. Um, if I did, then you could probably answer it. Would you Would you like to have the guess how long this match all took, like with the entrances and the actual match itself? I believe you said 29 minutes. Yes. Yeah, 20, yeah, 20 fucking nine minutes. <laughs> um. Now. Cody, at the best of times, is you know long-winded, and you know I'm I'm not gonna watch, I'm gonna go on that bit. And obviously, uh, DX, uh, you know, practically, oh, well, they're running the company now. They were practically running the company at this point, but so they could pretty much have the time they wanted. Um, Logan, before talking about the match, um, I know, and another loaded question: Are there any more duller wrestlers in the world than Legacy in 2009? Yeah, I think Cody had it a little bit more than uh, good old Teddy Teddy DiBiase did, but yeah, that that and in, in in the in the promo earlier, I feel like Cody had it a little bit, but you know, still was uh, working through the kinks. But uh, Ted DiBiase is pretty bland, and for some reason back in this time, I thought he was going to be like a huge star. But looking back and seeing this stuff now, it's just like, why did anybody think that he was going to be? I mean, he ha- he had the look, but he just he comes off as super dull for sure. <laughs> Which is weird when you think, like, you know, how good his dad was, particularly like promos and stuff. And it's like, you, you basically just, he's just basically a creative wrestler from SmackDown 2005. That's what he. Um, Can I if I'm wrong, to... but was, was Ted not what? meant to be, was Ted not meant to be the guy? Was Legacy not meant to be Ted's breakout as opposed <laughs> yeah. to Cody's? It was, yeah. That's, that's weird well, in, in retrospect. <laughs> If I, if I remember the story from the Austin, you know, from again from the Austin pod, from the Austin network show, it was basically that um, the 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 speech he, that Cody gave at Dusty's uh, induction. That's that's basically what got him. The, what got him? It, it, that's what made him want to be a wrestler, or got him in, interested in the company because he was he had absolutely no interest in it, really. Mm-hmm. I might, I, might, I might be wrong with that. Um, Logan, you're you're a man after my own heart when it comes to our food and drink. So, um, when when they when when they destroyed that pool, what what did that catering table do to anybody to get you know destroyed and get and people slipping over like that? I don't know because it was it broke in a kind of a weird way, so it actually almost kind of looked looked kind of disgusting. So, and my favorite part about the little catering spot is Teddy DiBiase empties the cooler at one point. It just throws it at Triple H's head like so casually. <laughs> it's so funny, um, but yeah, that catering bit, and then obviously he spilled ice all over the floor. So anytime Ted tried to walk around back there after that, he slipped and busted his ass. So <laughs> uh, pretty pretty comedic point, but uh, that spot with the table was kind of painful because Triple H landed on kind of the corner and it kind of just collapsed and didn't look didn't look very good. I was going to say, literally just like the slightest glancing blow, wasn't it? You could tell what they were going for, but because Ted was slipping over, it just didn't work at all. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, did I ask you what you went for? Went rated on it? Me? Yes. Oh, I, I, I haven't really talked about it that much, but uh, <laughs> um, but I. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it pretty good. Uh, I like, you know, I like chaos. I like the walking brawl, you know, this kind of walking brawl where they go around all the arena and just use tables and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know a lot of people's mileage varies on DX as a whole, especially this run. I, I'll admit that this is probably their cringiest run of all because it is peachy and they can't really, uh, you know, they kind of have to sneak in the inappropriate parts where they can. Um, but yeah, I, I know a lot of people don't like either this run or the 06 run, but I've, I, was always, I was always a fan of the 06 run, even though they kind of squashed a bunch of people. So I don't know if it did much for the company overall. Um, the legacy theme, I was always a big fan of their music when they came out. Uh, the, the concept of this match, the submissions count anywhere, I think is an interesting concept. I'm actually surprised that they never really came back to it and did it again, but I like, Callum was kind of talking about it. I, I can understand why they why they haven't at the same time. Um, the visual of the double submission through the chair uh, that Callum talked about as well was uh, a hell a hell of a visual for sure. Um, whatever HBK fell on at whatever point uh, in the crowd, he landed on some kind of crash pad or table. But whatever it was, I feel like didn't give away as much as it was supposed to. So it sounded kind of nasty on the on the thud. Um, a couple of backdrops on the stage sounded really gross at certain points. We talked about the catering already. Uh, I feel like some of it was more painful than intended, and some of it was quite comedic. Um, total mark out for Michaels at the end, kind of resiliently fighting back. And I know that's I know that's a me thing. Uh, I, I'll always be a fan of him trying to kind of fight off multiple guys at the same time. And I like the finish of the figure four around the post with the million dollar dream at the same time. Um, I don't know how painful it was on the million dollar dream end, but <laughs> I, I feel like the figure four is always a pretty good spot. I actually went three and a half. I probably overrated it, but I enjoyed it pretty good. Uh, I I went I went three on it, so you haven't you haven't overrated it that much. Um, I will say about I will say about the uh, the the Sean crash mat spot. It was a bit like they, they were obviously going for the rock uh, mankind thing from '99, but. <laughs> They didn't quite realize where Sean was going to be falling from when, you know, it's only going to be a five foot drop, basically, <laughs> onto, a, onto a crash mat. It's like, okay. It was, oh, Jesus. It was a, <laughs> it was a five <laughs> It was a five foot drop, but it did look to to to, to Logan's point, it looked disgusting. Mm, um, I don't oh, think yeah. he, I don't think he landed right, and they're getting fucking zero reaction from the crowd. <laughs> like it was just like the, there was no there was no like in hindsight again hindsight's twenty twenty so, but like there was no what a wasted spot. Because mm. it was like they, they even make the comment, don't they? It's by the production area. It's like near the stage, so mm. they go broadly, They literally go about two or three steps into the crowd at that point, and then do the spot. It's like, well, if people can't really see it, then what? Yeah, yeah, mm. no, don't do it. Yeah, and then, I, and 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 when it happens, uh, after it happens, Cody's kind of walking around, and this is not going to be for the listeners of of the pod, but I'm going to do exactly what the guy that's in the crowd that's next to Cody. He did this right here. And I'm just like, <laughs> could no reaction at all. But he just crosses his arms and couldn't look more bored in his life. 
group. So, <laughs> I do. And I, and I, 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 don't about, I don't know about sorry, like Calm. I don't know about you guys, but when when you did start brawling through the crowd, I was very disappointed not to see Matt Souza taking some photos. I don't know about anybody else. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, exactly. I'm I'm used to seeing in a crowd shot. Uh, Susa and Mama Susa um, mm. enjoying enjoying some of the graps. It's very very disappointing. <laughs> what is just be, just before we move on as well? I just thought I don't know if any of you guys pointed out when when Triple H has got, um, I think it's Cody in a submission in the backstage. Um, he rolls them up as a certain individual used to do, and and Mike and Cole and King were going submission hold, submission hold, submission hold. Don't fucking say crossface, please. It's a submission hold. No, no, no. I got. I I think I made a note of that. They did say crossface, but you could tell they were going. They were thinking, don't say crippler. Whatever you do, don't say crippler. I I, I missed them say crossface. I just heard. I just heard Cole go submission hold, submission hold. Yeah, but you Good can, times. You can, you can definitely tell they were uh, they were biting the tongue. I, I think at that point, gentlemen, we will uh, we'll take a quick break because that's the first of our quote unquote main event matches of the evening. But we have still got two main event matches to come, in, and they are both for the respective Raw and SmackDown World Titles. So big times ahead. Uh, so from Logan Crosland and Callum McDougall, I'm Ben Locke, and we will see you on the other side. Nation, welcome back to part two of episode 28 of Chicken Salad Man in Benlock. I am here with Loon Grosland and Callum McDougall, and let's get right back into Breaking Point 2009. We head backstage where Josh Matthews tries to have an interview with Randy Orton, but was apparently only allowed one question. Randy is doing that slow monosyllabic talking style that he fortunately got out of, but we're still going to have it for quite a while for the next couple of years. He promises there were a world of pain to John Cena tonight whilst threatening Josh Matthews, and we all hope that would happen, and promises that Cena will say, I quit now. As you know, for the first three matches of tonight's show, we have said, perfectly fine, if forgettable, you know, you'd watch it. Um, our next match, gentlemen, though, is a Singapore K match, and I can't even get the words out properly myself, between 
the big red machine, Cade, and the great Kali. Uh, Logan, was anybody really waiting for the WrestleMania 23 rematch at this stage two years later? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I'll go to the interview real quick uh, before the match that you were talking about. Uh, Snaky, bald Randy Orton was the most creepy Randy Orton uh, that there ever was. And I do think his character stuff was really good here, but it doesn't necessarily translate to his in-ring stuff quite yet. But um, I do think this is kind of his best character stuff. But yeah, Kane and Kali in a freaking Singapore Kane match on the submission-only pay-per-view is uh, quite comical for sure. Um, this met, this show doesn't seem like too long. I mean, 09 was 13 years ago at this point, but it doesn't feel like it's that long ago, but they make a baseball reference somewhere in the middle of it. And <laughs> it immediately makes it feel like it's exactly 13 years old. So I, I won't bore y'all with what that actually was, but I, I heard it and I, I, I know how old it makes, makes it feel when he says that, but, um, this is the exact sloppy weapons brawl with two giant guys that can't hardly work at this point, uh, is exactly what you would expect. Uh, and I love that Ranjan Singh has a jacket embroidered that says the great Kali says on the back. So, uh, big fan <laughs> of that jacket, that, that, that was probably a, a possibility for a fashion statement as well, but there's still one more that happens eventually, uh, that will take it. Um, but you know, it wasn't, it's, it was a great Kali match. It wasn't anything inspiring, but I, I didn't really hate it at the same time, but I only gave it one star. That was very generous of you. I, I went no, no point five. So well done. Um, Callum, I will say, I don't know if you picked up on this. I really admired the way that whoever ringside had done the, um, put the Singapore Kings up on the post and still made, try to make them like a bunch of flowers. Like, you know, it was a lovely, lovely crescent display. I thought. Yes, they they were really they, they did a lot into their they did a lot into their scene prep um or their stage prep, um probably the best looking part of this match that was like polishing a turd, um <laughs> this was I mean it was never going to be good, right? I, I I've got to I've got to temper my expectations knowing that a match between the great Cali and Kane is never going to be a five star classic, however, this was worse <laughs> than even I expected. <laughs> I thought I thought Kane, first of all, I think it was really, really unfair, this type of match. Kane clearly has an advantage. He's named after the match. Yes. Um, but I, 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 I don't know why I made a note on this going, oh, it's the Punjabi playboy, Kelly, as if that was going to make a difference to the quality of the match I was just about to watch. A very, very interesting, poor I mean, it's I I went dud on it. To be fair, I just, I just and again, it's not as if I, I, it's not. I'm not giving this an angry dud like I have done in the past with matches involving yes. possibly Wahoo McDaniel or or something that was on <laughs> Bash at the Beach '99 um, that we watched some of the abominations on that one. But it, it, yeah, it was. <laughs> It was Kane the Great Kelly. What 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 more can we what more can we say? <laughs> um, I I mean yeah I think I think you're being quite I think you're being quite kind there. It's like it's like it's a dud, but it's not like it's not like an odd oh, dud. It's like yeah, we know it's going to be a dud. You know, yeah, it was it was a dud. And it would have taken some really special to. And I like I like to try and think it. You, you, you like I, I try and be objective, and you start you start the match from. Like two and a half or two, yes. 
and it goes up and down as as and how as and how it should. Um, but this match, you've got to start it as I did because it's never going to be good, and it, nothing nothing happened that it even tipped it tipped it up for me. I, I feel at this point, like you said that, I feel like we need to get, what was it the Halloween Havoc episode we did, Logan, where uh, Tim Capel explained his rating math to us? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, that, it, was, that, it was definitely that one for sure. <laughs> that was, that's, what, that's what we need. We need a bit of, uh, we need a bit of Capel magic. <laughs> yeah, I, I, probably, I probably should have gone half star on it, but the jacket got me all the way to one, so. Well, <laughs> you know. It was you're, a spiffing jacket, to be fair. You're, you're a fashionista and a style icon, I don't blame you. <laughs> CM Punk backstage with Eve who proceeds to show us why she didn't do interviews for much longer and became a wrestler mm-hmm. Punk, Punk, <laughs> Punk promises to make an example of the Undertaker tonight and says because he lives a clean lifestyle that will help him to win the lights go out but it's only Jimmy Wang Yang messing around Punk decides to attack him with and I thought a rather lovely Headbutt, you know, that was a pretty stiff headbutt, I thought, for a backstage segment. You know, it was a, he, he wasn't messing around, bless him. Um, our next match in the ring is between Christian and it, your lordship, our lordship, Mr. William Regal. This means it is for the ECW title, which also means that we are going to have we are going to have the dulcet tones of Josh Matthews and Matt fucking Striker. On commentary, that's that's how he's going to be referred to, gentlemen, all night as Matt Fucking Striker. We get shown a replay of last month at SummerSlam where Christian wins in nine seconds. Now, Logan, this this is just after you know the bland, forgettable stuff that we've had all night. This was it's like a little oasis for me. You know, these are it was two good wrestlers having a perfectly good wrestling match, and frankly. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought I thought it was really well worked by both guys. It was very very stiff to start with a lot of hard strikes. Um, <laughs> I, I said Christian also had an early tumble to the hardest part of the ring, which is kind of <laughs> kind of kind of became one of my gimmicks at WrestleMania is yelling that as loud as I can whenever somebody hits the uh, per- perfect point of the apron. Um, I, I love Regal suplexes and all his unique submissions that he pulls out. He pulls out some brutal knees at one point uh, that were pretty awesome. Uh, Regal bleeds from the mouth uh, in this match, and I was like, where have I seen this before? And I was like, oh yeah, every pay-per-view match he's ever been in in his entire career. <laughs> um, he's a classic uh, mouth mouth bleeder as opposed to a mouth breather. Um, but uh, I, I thought it was a really good, resilient win by Christian. He took a lot of offense in this one. I don't feel like he was able to show what he did on offense very much in this match because Regal pretty much dominated him. But I think it was kind of a payback for the uh, nine-second loss that he took at SummerSlam. But I really enjoyed it, and I went uh, three and a quarter on it. Uh, I went I went that high as well, so I'm glad somebody else did. I, I also want to quickly mention the... Uh, the, the knee strike from Regal, which they showed on comment. I want to say they showed, they showed that replay like three times. And in the era of the UFC we're in now, that, that would be somebody's finisher now. That was absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, now, Callum, 
Um, as I've mentioned, Matt fucking Stryker is on commentary in this match. And shock horror, he's, he's trying to be a clever dick by inserting as many Smiths references as he could. Now, Logan, if you don't know who the Smiths are, they're a band from Manchester earlier. I'm guessing they were a particular favourite of Mr. Regal's. Um, because Stryker basically tries to put every sort of Smith song he knows or he's wikipedia at this point <laughs> into commentary. <laughs> He had to Google up. (laughs) Yeah. He must have done. He must have done. He's a fucking dick. Like, (laughs) I... Honestly. He is... I don't don't get it with Matt Stryker. So, right, he comes out at the very start and Christian comes out and he comes up with four nicknames for him, including, like, the fucking Ice King of the Great White North or something like that. Like, nobody's... (laughs) Nobody has called him that before or since. You're just making that up to make yourself sound like a smart ass, and all you're making yourself self sound is is like a fucking douchebag. Like he is, he is awful. He actively detracts. I'm glad ECW only get one match per pay, per pay per view at this point because he actively detracted my enjoyment from what was a fantastic match. Um, I don't care much for the Smiths. Personally, and maybe that's got something to do with. Maybe I get a bias against against the Smiths, but it's 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 not that. It's it's just really the, the fact that he's just a, a, a complete and utter douchebag on commentary, and it's like, and he's never he's never got away from that. He gets sacked by the WWE for doing it, or he get told off by Vince McMahon at one point. He then get taken off commentary because he because he was doing it. When he get put back on commentary, started doing it again, was taken back off commentary. And like, take the fucking hint, mate. <laughs> and he's and he thing he still did it. He thing he he's, he's still doing it to this. He's not back. He was still doing it on impact. And again, for shock horror, lost his job. I think he's the reason why Lucha Underground went under because people had to listen to him. And the people at the LA Network are thinking, oh, I'm not listening to him. Absolutely not. Get him off. And honestly, it's just other than that, the match was the match was really good. Like the match was very very good. Um. Regal, obviously, excellent. And Christian, as we know, can hold his end of the bargain in, in, in a match as well. Um, I don't think, as strange as it sounds, I don't think Christian actually gets enough credit for how good he actually is. Um, oh, 100%, yeah. Uh, I think, if anything, to, to, to go on your point um, earlier, Ben, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think Christian's one of the most underrated guys in the history of wrestling, genuinely, because he, he doesn't get, he doesn't, he's always been overshadowed by. Um, everybody else that came through at that point, but he's he's he he can hold his end of the bargain, and and he he did because the, some of the stuff that like Regal was laying in some of the stuff that Regal Plex, um, oh, it towards the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that Regal Plex, which again that was another match striker line that, I've, that that really pissed me off, was was absolutely it was absolutely disgusting. The knee was disgusting, um. It was yeah the the, the match striker like that's a move that's so disgusting that it does we don't see very often because of the damage it inflicts on both individuals. Fuck off, mate. <laughs> did, 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 did you not see Regal landed flat back and and Christian landed on his neck? Mm. I, it was disgusting. Um, but you no, know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. I went three stars on it. Um, talk, thinking about it again, listening to you guys, I'm going to go up to join you at three point two five. I can. I, I was in between there, um, yeah. because this was this was this was excellent. 
Um, I don't know, Logan, I don't know if you've got this from what Callum just said, but I, I'm getting the slight feeling. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm just getting the slight feeling he doesn't like Matt Stryker very much. Yeah, I, I think him and uh, maybe Will Ospreay are in the same category for Callum there. Yeah. <laughs> see, and honestly, God rest his soul, Wahoo McDaniel. But see if they ever did. See if they ever did a Legends of Wrestling pay per view just now and stuck Wahoo McDaniel on it. You bet your bottom dollar, Matt Striker would be knocking at their door, making sure he comment, comment, commentated on it, and that would be that would be the worst thing you could put me in a, and you could put that on, and that would be torture to me. If you want any of my secrets, get Matt Striker commentating in a Wahoo McDaniel. Daniel match that'd be fucking torture. He's awful. He's, I don't understand how he can cont- he was continued to be employed up until very recently. He's Star- rubbish. Starting Again, classic wrestling website with old matches commentated by Matt Striker. God. <laughs> Logan, as long as we're making lists of things, Logan. Um, remember to pick another show from 2010 so Callum gets to watch a whole pay per view of Matt fucking Striker. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Or, or or is it like an impact one of the impact like COVID shows we can put on for them? I'm 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 washing I'm washing my hair that night. I'm not doing it. I retire. <laughs> That's it. You got you got you got three shows out of me. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> Sean can come back for that one. No fucking Sean, doing it. Sean's got the pearler for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> So after the match, gentlemen, we then stay. We then stay. We don't go backstage. We stay towards ringside, and we are joined by Montreal's very own Pat Patterson, who comes out. He's very happy to be here tonight, and regales the crowd in again in Francais, and the crowd are very happy to hear whatever he said. I'm, I didn't bother to Google translate it, but they seemed very happy with uh, what what was being said. Uh, he starts to introduce a match, but Dolph Ziggler interrupts. Pat knows who he is, but nobody in Montreal asked Pat about him, apparently. Dove then wants to know, when did the company get taken over by OAPs? I put in brackets, well, it was until quite recently. Dove thought <laughs> Pat was dead and wonders why we're wasting pay-per-view time on old, fos- on old fossils. Again in brackets, a comment made by Dolph Ziggler that feels very strangely ironic on several levels in 2022. Dolph thinks that Pat is a great guy and keeps shoving him until Pat can't take any more in a Popeye style. Dolph says that then says that Pat is a coward and punches him down. He goes on to a t- he again goes to attack Pat, but John Morrison runs in, so no match actually takes place. Um. Simple question, Callum, and I'll go to you first. Um, why did no match take place? The the, the guys were both there. We, you know, I know, you know, we've got to have thirty minutes for a DX match, apparently, but I'm sure we could have spared five minutes somewhere. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. And clearly, uh, well, I, I do understand. It's clearly because um, John Morrison was not dressed to compete. Um, he had some form of cowboy boot on. He had a shirt. He had a dress shirt on. They even um, said too. <laughs> uh, it's like. Pointless. Absolutely pointless. Um, I always made the note, funny thing is, in 2002, Ziggler is the um, is the fossil that no one cares about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have actually got that this is one of the worst segments I've seen in a while. It's just terrible. I'm not saying all, of all time, it's just of what I've watched, because it was just pointless. They went out there, it, well, clearly the point was they wanted Pat Patterson out in Montreal which is absolutely fine but do like a Legends thing do like here's 
or get him out to, 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 to announce or do something for an intercontinental title match to get him in front of the crowd, that's absolutely fine. I don't, I, I, that's, that's honestly grand. I don't mind that at all. But this just was absolutely pointless. There was, it just went on and on and on. And I just, and on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> and on some more. Oh, the most cat, the best talker out of the whole ring was the guy who I had been retired for thirty years, mm-hmm. and and doesn't speak English as his first language. It was just, yeah, point, pointless, absolutely pointless. But, now, but I think I think there is one highlight that I'll I'll, I'll I will um, I'll sit back and not mention because I think there's other people that want to that want to bring up the real highlight of the. Uh, the real MVP of the, um, the segment. I was, going to, I was going to say, speaking of highlights, let's let's hand things over to our style icon of fashionista, Mr. Logan Crosland, who will uh, helpfully describe the highlight of this segment. Yeah, the Pat comes out with the most beautiful shirt of all time. I mean, if there is a color in the color wheel, it was on this shirt. It was so many different patterns and stuff. It literally looked like a grandma had like stitched together a shirt and used pieces of like six or seven different <laughs> shirts. It was absolutely insane. It was in like quadrants, like each quadrant was a different set of colors. So it was, uh, it, it, it was far and away the uh, fashion statement of the night. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that eventually, but yeah, um, they could have spared uh, some time to do a match here. And, you know, we, we've, We've talked about how long the DX match was, but the DX match flew by uh, compared to the fact that we had to watch this this segment. This yes. segment felt twice yes. as long, even though I know it wasn't. Um, yeah, completely pointless. And uh, I think Morrison definitely didn't have a match because he didn't have his gear. So, uh, <laughs> Or at least that's what commentary thinks. They were like, oh, he can't have a match. He doesn't have his gear on. Like, they haven't done matches out of nowhere like that sometimes. But who knows? But yeah, complete waste of a segment. Other than sure. Yeah, I was going to say this, the shirt's magnificent, and you know, uh, Pat God, Pat God bless him. Like you know, if you if if you didn't know what how what his sexuality was beforehand, that the shirt might well have helped with the matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like yes, and yes, uh, there's a, there's only a certain class of gentlemen who can get away with shirts. Like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'll add that in very quickly. <laughs> Before I get into trouble. <laughs> our next match, gentlemen, is the first of our, well, the second, sorry, of our three main events. And it is an I quit match for the WWE title between John Cena and Randy Orton. We have a very lengthy video package to begin with. Um, as I mentioned before, this is this is also slow-paced Orton in a nutshell. So not only do you get the slow-paced promos but you also get randy very slowly walking to the ring and very slowly moving when he gets to the ring um i'll go to logan first um so the match i I thought the match was good but like there is literally no build-up to that finish and like if you're gonna if you're gonna again like like i said in the dx match if you're gonna go for this kind of match then we've got to have we've got to have a bit of blood and you know we've actually got to go you know, full gear, and this was just, they basically stayed in about third or fourth and just didn't bother going up to the higher level. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. This this one was held back by the limitations of the PG stuff, for sure. Uh, 
as that was kind of a new thing that it started uh, within the last year or so. But I thought the package before the match was really good. I thought the, I liked I liked the video package with the uh, classic butt rock song, as as uh, <laughs> Tim Capel would say. Um, but uh, Orton focusing on the head in this match I thought was odd in an I Quit match because like. The idea of focusing on the head is to knock somebody out, and if he's knocked out, he can't quit. So I didn't really understand the thought process of doing that. Um, I guess he was hoping he would have a really bad headache to the point where he would want to give up or something like that. Um, This is another match that probably suffers from hindsight uh, because they redid this match a million times, and they'd probably already done it a good bit of times before this, too. Um, But I do like Randy's ruthlessness, especially when he kind of has him hung from the uh, the turn or the post with the handcuffs and was beating him with the kendo stick. I, I really like that portion. Um, I'm so used to not seeing uh, chair shots to the head anymore uh, that it kind of took me off guard when uh, Orton did hit Cena with it. Um, Cena really kind of beats his ass once he gets on offense, but Cena really doesn't do much in this match other than get his ass beat uh, and have be handcuffed for most of it. Um, but he finally gets on. Un- uncut from the turnbuckle and uh, be- really beats uh, Randy's ass. And I, I really feel like they really made Orton kind of look like a pussy, uh, giving up as quick as he did. He had previous shoulder issues and he was kind he kind of has, he's still, ha- they're handcuffed together and he has the handcuff like around his neck with his arm. And so I guess it's pulling on his shoulder and he had previous shoulder issues. So maybe that's why he gave up as quick as he did, but he gives up way too quick and it just he seems to really come out of nowhere. Like you said, um, I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Like I said, I liked Orton's kind of ruthlessness throughout the match with the weapons and stuff. Um, but it, it definitely could have had a better finish and I think it could have built a little better towards the finish. So I, I went 2.75 on it. Well, I, I can kind of see, I, I can see what they were going for. I don't agree with it. Cause we were, you know, we're firmly into super Cena, you know, Cena wins LOL, aren't we at this point? So, you know, it was like John never quits. John never gives up, but I don't know. I'll have a comment on that in the next match. Okay, I'll, okay. I'll, but yeah, go ahead. But, well, you could comment on this. Like, was that, I mean, unless I missed it, was that first, when when Orton did quit, was that the first time the ref actually asked him, Do you, are you going to quit? Was that the actual first hold? Yeah, because I, I mean, mm-hmm, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because I think Cena right at the beginning tried to put a submission on, but he couldn't quite do it. Yeah, I think Cena gets like two or three things at the very beginning of the match, but Orton literally stomps his head into the steps and handcuffs him for the rest of the match pretty much. It just beats on him with weapons and, you know, he hits an RKO at one point, but focusing on the head was a real weird uh, thought in this match for me. Um, Yeah. yeah. It's like I say, it's just just that full-on annoying, the King is the worst, like, just that full-on annoying pandering to Cena all the time, you know, like, oh, you know, he feeds off this crowd, he loves the fact that they boo him and all this, it's like, Oh, the champ is here at the end. It's like, just shut up, King. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like we mentioned, Callum, um, you know, the finish is out of nowhere. But I, I really did like the stuff with the with the handcuffs and the chain because that was actually there was actually a good bit of intrigue in that, and I, I felt that was almost like the centerpiece of the match. But they just never expanded on that for some reason. No, I thought that was I thought that was really really good. Yeah, but that that section of the that section of the match, and it really played in, it really played into to sort of both um, of of the of the characters. Obviously, um, John Cena never giving up. Um, 
<laughs> the 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 Orton though, like he was just getting as as he went on, he was just getting sicker and sicker and sicker as he went. Um like to the point where it was just so he was he was bashing his head off the steps and then he gets the idea to hang him from the, the, the top of the, the the top of the ring post and some of the shots he was giving I mean he was he was laying into him. The 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 the, the, the um the candlestick shots he obviously saw that oh. saw the marks they left on, on Cena's chest. Mm-hmm. Um he, he, correct me if I'm wrong, he, he got him right on right on the head with, with one of them. Um the, the the chair shot was, was, was disgusting. I think I think that that part of the match was, was really good because up to that point it was sort of typical Cena Orton. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. Um, and then it just took a it took a swift right turn there, which I'm I'm very I'm very pleased at. Um, I like the character work that, that that Cena put in. Obviously, he was he was never he was never going to John Cena's whole character is that he was never going to quit. So you knew going in who who was going to win. Mm. But the like every time the ref asked him, he was getting he was getting less convincing. As to mm. say no, like straight away the first ones were no, of course not, like no, no, very, very, very confident. As it went on, they were getting the responses were getting slower. He was contemplating it, and mm. then he was going. Then eventually he was saying no. So I, th- I, I, I thought that was, I thought that that part of it was was really good. Um, you are were sort of hamstrung with I, I, at some points it was plodding, like you don't mind the the, the plodding. Orton stuff with on the stuff the outside where he's, where he's hang up because he's been calculating and he's been he's been like cold. Some of the other some of the other times before that were were very plodding and and but you're sort of hamstrung by the character, a bit like a bit like the Undertaker in the early Dead Man days, where you're hamstrung by the character being it almost has to have slow plodding matches, which is can be can be good a good thing and a bad thing. So it was kinda of hampered by that at one point. But I still went two point seven five in this one. I thought it was I thought it was it was it was it was a very, very good match. I, I went a little higher. I, I went three, but it's very much the gentleman's three, you know. It's not like not one I want not what I'd want to go out my way to see again, but it's it's I, I, I mean I mean whether it's just because I'm not as well so how can I put it? I'm not as ingrained in this time period as others are, but you know, like I say, the whole autumn beat, the whole slow paced autumn thing. I just can't get behind it at all. Like, like, like you say, the characters good. The characters good, but the match is no. But, uh, but that that that's what that's what I was saying. I was like, you're, you're sort of you're hamstrung into that style. The style of match is hamstrung by that character. Yeah, and it's really it's an it's a it's a really really unfortunate byproduct. Of having such a good character, but is men is like menacingly slow. Mm. Yeah, because you know, yeah, they're very much playing on that. You know, the Viper sort of ethos, aren't they? That he will just attack. You know, he's got no, he's got no soul, no morals. You'll, you know, he'll just beat you up, basically. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't. I, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't care. He will. He will. It's very, very almost serial killer like that he'll just mm. he will take his time, he will dissect you and he will do it at his pace. Yeah. And when he's ready to put you out of your misery, he will do it. As, as as somebody else said in a famous film, you know, I will hunt you down I have a particular set of skills and I will hunt you down and all that. <laughs> Absolutely. He'd, he'd make that. a very good he would make a very good um bad guy in Luther, oh. I feel. Oh yes. Could could you imagine Idris Elba chasing yeah. down Randy Orton? 
Oh, there's a film. There's a film. There we go. But we'll make that. We'll get that. We'll get that on the air. There's a there's a Luther film coming out. I there think. Really is. I think the beep. I've got to get on the BBC. Get in contact with the HHH and make this happen. <laughs> make this happen for the for the um for the for the RKO. Very, I was going to say, any more acronyms you want to add? The RKO and for the the the. Is it DC DCI? Well, he's part of the he's part of the DCU. The DCA go. There you go. <laughs> but but Luke does not part of the DCU. That's very much BBC. <laughs> <laughs> that is not our last match of the night, though, gents. We have a we have a main event, and it's for the world heavyweight title between CM Punk and the aforementioned Undertaker. We get another long but very good. Reminds us that the Undertaker has never submitted. Also on CM Punk's way to the ring, JR totally buried Jeff Hardy in a glorious, if you know me for any kind of period of time on these spots, in a glorious moment where he says this is Punk's first proper and major title defense. Bear in mind that CM Punk and Jeff Hardy headlined SummerSlam just three weeks earlier than this in a TLC match. So I think you know, I think you know where where JR stands when it comes to old uh, Mr. Hardy. Um I'll go to Callum first. Um you know, we try and look for the positives on this podcast, Callum. You know we do. But uh, can we just fuck off with this Montreal bullshit, please? It's, you know, it, it was tired and boring in 98, never mind in 2009. I mean, we, we should have seen it coming. It's a submission-only show, or a predominantly submission-only show in Montreal. I, we should really have seen it coming. Um. Yeah, I mean, you 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 get away with it once, like you, you do it, and you you have you have one other go at at, at making uh, at redoing this finish for heat purposes. After that, it's diminishing returns. Like Survivor Series '98, fine, done, really d- worked perfectly. Turned the rock, excellent, perfectly executed. This one, not so much, and. And sort of the the forty million attempts they've done in between again, not so much, and it also does nothing for CM Punk as well. Your world heavyweight champion, yeah. the, the the face of that brand, and and meant meant to be. And I was just thinking they did like Punk has just come off this really really hot feud with Jeff Hardy. He, um, as you say, they headlined SummerSlam, so their second biggest show of the year. CM Punk headlined and won, and then they've got him. Uh, he's beat he's beat clean by tapping out really quickly to the Hell's Gate and then has the Montreal finish to, to, to eventually win and then runs off. I'm like, bizarre, they never, for whatever reason, and CM Punk will probably tell you what the reason was, um, they, they just never, in, in these first couple of runs, the, the 2008 run, he was just treated like an afterthought. The 2009 run, you thought, this is it, because they're, they're, they're actually doing something with him. And then they come up with this less than three weeks after his big moment at SummerSlam. No wonder the guy ended up bitter, honestly. <laughs> um, and I just think, if, if you have to do, if you have to do the Montreal screwjob finish. If you if you cannot get away from doing that, 
Shawn Michaels was in a match that he lost earlier on in the show. Yes. Like I, I see no if if Cena and if Cena and and Orton aren't gonna aren't gonna headline because you want to do this finish, then put the put the tag match on last and have could you imagine if they'd actually Montreal screw jobbed Sean at the main event of this show? Mm, that, yeah. that would have been that would have been infinitely better if they had to do it and they could not get away from this idea of doing that finish again. Do it to Sean. But what they had was they had Sean having the heroic, um, the heroic um, battle to the to the to the last minute before finally tapping out, and you have CM Punk looking like an absolute putz. It was, it was, so so bizarre. Um, and it would all, it, it would also fit in with the legacy characters where they they try and be you know they they play on their parents you know their their legacy, but they're actually you know lying you know lying cheating heels. Oh, and you who was you aren't you, you know you, you will win at any cost basically. Yeah, but then you could have thing. You 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 take that so so many different ways. You could have a you could have had Brian Hebner be the referee, Scott Armstrong be the referee, somebody else that's second generation, and they are the legacy referee. Yeah, you yeah, could yeah, take I, it that wee bit further. But they just it was. It I mean, we're we're we're. we're Again, hindsight is twenty twenty, as as we've said a few times now. But this is just a complete swing and a miss. It was. Well, what you what are you going to rate it, my friend? Match itself was all right. I gave it. I gave it the gentleman's two. I, it was, I it was fine up until the finish, really. I, I went. I went a little higher, two point two five, but not that much. Um, Logan, we we've talked about the finish. Uh, the match, like we say, is perfectly fine. But uh, how disappointed were you when Teddy Long came out that we weren't going to get a tag match player? <laughs> I was pretty disappointed for sure. Um, uh, but, but we did have the undertaker, so that was his other calling card. So, uh, we did get, we did at least have the undertaker in this one. Um, I, I'll go back to, you know, you were talking about the super Cena thing, but you know, you, you put Cena in a, basically a submission match and I quit match, whatever you want to call it. Then you put the undertaker in a submission match. So you put your two quote unquote invincible guys in two matches in a row in these matches that they obviously can't lose. I yeah, mean, yeah. Cena, Cena can't lose. Taker's not going to tap. You know, ta- Taker's not really going to tap. Like he's going to have to get screwed somehow. So if he, if if either of them lose, they're going to have to get screwed because, like, you know, Orton could have done the rock thing in '99 and did the recording or whatever and screwed Cena somehow. But you you put two guys in two matches in a row that that can't lose so I, I i don't think that that was a good choice you, you at least could have broken them up somehow maybe put that ziggler morrison match that didn't happen in between these two matches or something but doing these back-to-back with the invincible guys was just kind of a bad choice in my opinion um i did like undertaker pretty much teeing off on punk the whole match I, that brought a smile to my face as everyone know, knows my <laughs> hatred for mr mr phil brooks um but uh and and the whole uh montreal finish again just not a good idea they had done it so much to this point uh you know they do it it's the survivor series the next year and then they've done it a few times in between then um it wasn't wasn't a good idea when they redid it a, a year later and it's definitely not good 12 years later so but like like y'all said kind of another perfectly fine match wasn't anything uh anything you know that to write home about or whatever but just an absolutely horrible finish that they had to redo again but i i went with you ben i went two and a quarter just because it was the match itself was fine but the finish just sucked 
Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but we also get that. I mean, uh, uh, the one thing I know I mentioned Teddy slightly, but uh, he could have at least cracked a smile at the end, couldn't he? It was like, oh no, yeah, he was very grumpy. <laughs> it was like Ted. It was like Teddy. Come on, mate. But you know, like he knew, he knew he was going to get what? What is it? The next month he gets the Undertaker. The Undertaker does the uh, show for driving for him. Is that is that is that the next month's show? I believe so. <laughs> that, that bit's amazing. Love that. <laughs> so that is the end of this show, but it's not the end of our show as we have got some awards to give out. I will go to Callum first. What was your favourite match of the night or the best match of the night? Um, I will have to go with uh, his lordship and Christian. Uh, okay, uh, Logan. Um, I think I rated the submission count anywhere match better, but I think I'm going to go with Regal Christian as well. I think I, I think that was my favorite match for sure. Uh, we will make it a clean sweep for that match. Um, worst match of the night. I also think we can make a clean sweep. Um, are we all agreed on Kane and Cali? Oh yes. Excellent. Well, yeah, we won't, we won't waste anybody else's time going through that. <laughs> okay, so Logan, most surprising match of the night. And remember, surprising can mean good, surprisingly good, or surprisingly bad. I I I, I kind of expected to not like the Legacy DX match as much as I did, and Orton Cena for that matter. Just both of those kind of just jumped up and surprised me that they weren't as boring or plotting as I thought they might have could have been coming in. So both of those kind of surprised me, honestly. Okay. Uh, Callum, same question to you. Um, yeah, the, the ECW title match came came right out of came right out of left field for me. I just thought my memories of ECW title matches at this time were just like they're on because we have to put an ECW title match on a, a show. Um, looking at the guys probably shouldn't have surprised me, but I was actually pleasantly surprised at how how good it was. Um, I I might I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Logan. I'm gonna go with. Uh... Do a DX and Legacy, and the reason I'm going to go with that is because we're going to dust. It doesn't get dusted out very often, but we are going to dust out the Hidden Gem Award for tonight. I think. Can we all put Regal and Christian in the Hidden Gem category? 100. percent Absolutely. I'm going to need to remember there's a Hidden Gem category because it only gets it only gets dusted out every so often. So don't. It'll be one of those I'll just spring on you, basically. <laughs> yeah, I think there's only I think there's only about three or four matches in there. So. Yeah. but I think there's I think uh, two of the shows since I've started. I think two of the shows have had a hidden gem, and I've I've gone that I've used the hidden gem as my most surprising. So I need to remember that's there. Yeah. So I think I think like if we, if we ever do like a, a special episode, it'll be just all the hidden gem matches. Basically, <laughs> when we get to about six or seven of them. <laughs> okay. Next award for the night is uh, is the Sean Kidd Award for the biggest shit take of the night. I think with my Mark Henry comment, I might have took it. I don't know. Let's go to Callum first. Um, you've definitely got my vote for that one. Okay, that's fair. That's fair, uh, Logan. I, I really don't think there were too many. I, I'll go. I'll I'll go chalk and just say you because that's what Callum said. <laughs> to be fair, it's not as egregious as anything Matt Striker said when I was watching that match, but I can't give yep. it to Matt yeah, Striker. Matt, Matt Striker gets the Sean Kidd Award. Yeah, do you know what? Yeah, give it to Matt Striker, but yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt fucking Striker for his constant Smiths references. Yes, I think we might. Yeah, okay. That seems. Oh, 
Sorry, it's my phone again. I do apologize, gentlemen. This is what, this is what happens when you read your phone. You know, when you've got all your notes on your phone, you see. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next award, the fashion statement of the night. And I think, although Mr. S- although Runyon Singh, you know, that was a lovely jacket he had on. You know, the cowboy boots from John Morrison, they were nice. Uh, Logan, like we said, I think it's got to be Pat Shear, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was even John Morrison's shirt in that segment was pretty, uh, pretty out there as well. But yeah, Pat absolutely has to take it on this one. Uh, uh, Callum, same for you, or is there somebody different? Um, well, it was a close, closely, uh, close call between the guy and the Ed Hardy T-shirt um, in the crowd. <laughs> um, very much dating this show, um, but it has to be Pat Patterson's shirt of many Pat patterns. Um, that is just, that is just wonderful. Pat, Pat, Pat Patson and his amazing technical dream shirt. <laughs> so that's the one. Yeah, it was the shirt of many colors. There you go. <laughs> All right, gents. Uh, the well, we've got two awards. Well, we've got one award left, I should say, and that is, of course, the most important. Is it's is this show salad or shit? Uh, Callum, to you first. <laughs> we'll put me right in the spot with this one because I, 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 I said. This is what we do on this show. I know, but I was like, I was saying earlier, I've seen to you guys earlier on. This is a very difficult one to 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 to, to judge. Um, it's like sort of, it was inoffensive, but also unmemorable in so many ways. I don't think I would. This is one of these shows I don't think, unless I had to, I don't think I would ever go back because there's nothing here that I would particularly need to see again. I feel that it's like. I think it is the closest you can... It's chicken salad, but the closest you could be to being chicken shit. It's like you're bang on the expiration date. And it's <laughs> and, and the lettuce in the salad is starting to go a bit brown. And you, 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 you think there's, a, there's, a, there's an iffy smell coming from it, but it's fine that you'll be able to eat it and you won't get, you won't get sick from it. <laughs> because it's like it's not bad enough to be bad. But it's not that good either. Um, I know Logan's usually the king of our analogies about salad, but I, I've got one of my own. It's like this show is like you go to a restaurant and it's just a particularly bad. It's just a particularly bland meal. There's nothing excited about it. It's like, you know, we just, we'll just go here because it's open or whatever. And it's, I've said it, it's just it's just chicken salad. But would I go there again? Would I watch the show again? No, I wouldn't. And I think that's the best way to explain it. Like, I don't particularly want to watch this ever again. Uh, Logan, how about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, this is right on the line. Uh, I found myself enjoying it at certain parts, but it was just very bland, like you said. It would be like going to that restaurant and just, you know, you get you get the salad just because, you know, it's 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 an easy meal to digest and it, it, it tastes it tastes good for the most part. But it's mostly just kind of like oh, I'm just going through my routine. It's just what you get. It's, it's when you go to a restaurant, you just get the same thing you get every time just because that's what you get, you know. Um, but yeah, this isn't one I would totally revisit um i mean maybe if i did a chrono watch at some point and i happen to come across it maybe but this is not one i'm going out of my way to watch but <laughs> i will say i enjoyed certain portions of it so i will say salad for sure yeah i, I think i think salad's fair i think i, I think on, you're Cal. probably the best way to describe it ben and this is probably one for for you and me well it definitely will be because no one else really particularly understands uh this this concept it's kebab salad 
It's salad that you have. That it comes with your kebab. You'll have it because it's there and it'll be fine. But you don't seek out kebab salad. <laughs> Look, let's not, have, let's not have any more kebab shop controversy. You know, Logan, <laughs> we've, we've, we've just about explained what, what is to everybody now, by now. <laughs> so, what exactly? I'm just kidding. Huh? <laughs> Don't do that again. <laughs> sorry, 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 I just thought Jerry Seinfeld was on the call, though. So what is a kebab shop? <laughs> right, so as we've said, it's right on the borderline between salad and shit. So I am going to, as far as a league plays in, I'm going to start at number 20, because I think number 20 is when we, that's about the borderline, that's like the least good show that we've done, of, of what we've done. So number 20 is No Way Out 2003. 19 is Callum's favourite pay-per-view of all time, Battle Bowl. 18, Royal Rumble 96. 17, WrestleMania 16. 16, Slamboree 93. 15 is WrestleMania 27. And then 14 is Bash at the Beach 2000. So I think it can go, I think it should go anywhere between 15 and 20. I think between Slambury and WrestleMania twenty seven. Okay, I think I think that's that works for me, Callum. Yeah, I mean that, that's good for me as well because I I I I've got a particular disdain for WrestleMania twenty seven, so that's probably <laughs> the cut off point. Like, I think WrestleMania twenty seven is a bad show. This one isn't bad, isn't good. I would stick it in there. I'm quite happy to put it there for you. Mm. I, I, well, I think if you look at our league table, I'd like to say number fourteen is Bash of the Beach two thousand. I think that's the I think that's the line between yeah. good and bad around there. Yeah. Well, I was looking. I was looking at thingy at, at the league table earlier on, and it's it was one of these ones that okay, Bash of the Beach two thousand at least had something on it that is memorable. Slamboree uh, Uncensored ninety five has something on it that's memorable. I, originally, I was going to stick it between uh, Great American Bash ninety one and the Royal Rumble two thousand six, but mm-hmm. um, I think no, I think between WrestleMania twenty seven and Slamboree ninety three is a good place to a good yeah. place to pop up. It's 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 just bland. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing particular apart from like, all right. Okay, I'll give you Kane and Cali, but you know, there's not a lot particularly wrong with the show, but there's not a lot right with it either. No. I think that's the best. I think that's the best way to put it. So we will put it at number eighteen on our list. All right, German. Uh, I'll go. I'll stick with Callum. Callum, anything that you would like to plug while you're here? Why just direct the good ladies and gentlemen too. Uh, just the just the usual stuff. Um, NWA Crock and Roll. Uh, are, we're um, powering to fifty episodes there. Um, Starflation podcast, which the three of us do, um, where we try and, and readdress the balance of the um, the, the the star rating um, scale. Um, as some people have has worked, as we were discussing earlier on, some people are um, fucking that up royally. Um, <laughs> And yeah, the um, all the the live streaming um, services that we've got on the go: twitch.tv forward slash place to be nation, uh, facebook.com forward slash place uh, ptbn live, place to be nation, all one word on YouTube. Not got a fancy URL on that one, and at ptbn YouTube on Twitter. Excellent, uh, Logan. Same question to you. Um, highway to the Impact Zone, uh, Ben. You do that with me, along with the other six pack uh, members. Um, but uh, we, we're 
trudging through 2005. We're starting to get to the good stuff, I'll, I'll say. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, at this point, we'll probably have gotten past Genesis, building to the next pay-per-view. Um, but we're, we're having a lot of fun with that, and we're almost to 2006, so we'll, we'll see that where that takes us. Um, YouTube Roulette's a show that I do with Sean, Jake, Scott, and Matt. Uh, we pick random matches from YouTube and uh, live watch them. Uh, and it, it always ends up being kind of chaos and hilarity uh, throughout because uh, we, we, we do watch the matches, but we get off on crazy tangents a lot of the time as well. Um, <laughs> and then the Danger Pod, the seven months of Danger we're doing on the No So Feed. Uh, we're going through the uh, Dangerous Alliance uh, storyline. That one's a real new fun one that uh, we've been doing, uh, but that's a lot of fun. But uh, that's that's what I've got right now. Us going off on tangents on live watches. That doesn't sound like something people around here do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as for me, as Logan mentioned, yes, we're still on highway to the impact zone. We're pretty much nearly done with 2006, and yes, we are. There's more good than bad certainly at this point, which is really, really excellent. Um, also on the pop feed, uh, me, Logan, and Matt Souza do popcorn chicken salad once a month. So uh, we basically watch. A guilty pleasure movie that we, you know, a nice easy watch for us all. Um, but we and we and we shit on it royally. That's pretty much, that's pretty much what happens. Um, uh, as well as that, we are we are back on the special relations train. Um, there might be there might be a you know podcast about a certain clash. I don't know. That might that might be out there. I you know it could happen. Uh, yes, I believe so. Um, we are. Yes, I think it's. I mean, you've got to hear it from the boots on the ground, Ben, I feel. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully we do it before um, before the, 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 the oil uh, starts to take hold. <laughs> yes, yes, I mean, you know, um, and, and at whatever point Callum, like, spontaneously combusts, you know, we don't, we don't, want, we don't want that to happen, because we, we already caught this ahead of time, so, you know... But we don't want Cav to spontaneously combust when his a certain favourite Scotsman of his comes out to ringside. Now I've got to, I've got to look after him. Uh, yes, please. You've got to make sure that I actually make it to the end of the match just in case he wins. He's got to win, surely. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to go. You need to go lotion his back uh, after last night. He got his uh, ass beat pretty good. So, <laughs> if if that's what he needs me to do, I'll be. I, I can make the trip down to Cardiff Elidors. I can be there. Drew, if you're listening, I can be your beck and call. Don't you? I just say the word. And on those words and that image, I think it's time to wrap this podcast up. <laughs> so for Logan Droslin and Callum McDougall, my name's Ben Lock. And remember, everybody, in a world where you can be anything you want to be, be kind. Thank you so much for listening to Kicking Salad, and we will see you again next month. We'll shut it down. Let's burn the roof. Tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good, good night. A feeling. That tonight's gonna be a good night. 
That tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna be a good, good night Tonight's the night Let's live it up. Let's live it up. I got my money. Hey. Let's spin it up. Let's spin it up. Go out and smash it. Smash it. Like oh my god. Like oh my god. Jump out that sofa. Come on. Let's get get off. Fill up my cup. Drain. Mazel tov. Look at a dance. Move it, move it. Just take it off. Let's paint the town. Paint the town. We'll shut it down. Shut it down. Let's burn the roof. And then we'll do it again. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, and do it, and do it, let's live it up and do it, and do it, and do it, do it, do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, do it, do it, do it. Here we come, here we go, we gotta rock, easy come, easy go, now we on top, feel the shot, body rock, rockin' don't stop. Gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna.